Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The holiday season is upon us with the NFL in full stride, plus the NBA and NHL hitting midseason form. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info. With up to the minute sports wagering news, odds, trends, and predictions, Bet Online is the top spot for all pro and college sports. And it's not just the big four. Bet Online is info available at your fingertips with both desktop and mobile access at any time for almost any sport from mixed martial arts to international soccer head to bet online today and remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit state of state is presented by bet online where the game starts also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state IPA before it runs out for the season. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Joining us now on State of State, he is former Penn State defensive back, the living legend himself, Lydell Sargent. Lydell, it's wonderful to speak to you again. We are going to dive into a lot of stuff on this week's episode as we're in this purgatory in between the end of the regular season with the conference title games going on this weekend and hopefully shortly thereafter and an announcement in terms of what bowl game and what opponent, what location, all that fun stuff is going to be revealed for the Penn State Nittany Lions. I want to start off with your honest opinion about how the 2023 regular season went for Penn State. If you could summarize it with one word, what would that word be? One word's tough, but I uh, let me say first, congratulations to y'all on the on the first season through. Yeah, Tom and Tom and Justin, man, much respect. It's a appreciate it. Great show, fans need it. it. Fans are responding to it, so uh, congratulations on that. One word, I would say, uh, uh, good season. I'd say good. Overall, looking at the team, 10 and 2, obviously, most people condense it down to a two game season dealing with Ohio State and Michigan. Those were disappointing losses, to say the least. Um, overall, what did you see from the team that you like now as we're looking forward to a bowl game and into 2024? I love the defense, just the mentality of the defense, right? I think there's some young guys, even on the D line that you saw towards the end of the season start to gain that mentality of being a, a really productive defense, right? The DBs are, I mean, they have depth, so that's going to be always good. And then they, I mean, we got some, some young linebackers that are real dudes, man. So I think on the defensive side, fantastic. On the offensive side, there's some dude, I, the Mount Lebanon kid, which I was surprised that he's from Mount Lebanon. Who's the interior lineman, the JB Nelson kid? Not sure where he went to school, but yeah, he's from Mount Lebanon. Which you know, shout out to Pittsburgh. It's always right get um, Pittsburgh offensive lineman. Shout out AQ Shipley. But um, yeah, you're right. I like those. There you go. Is he Mount Lebanon? Yes, sir. I like some of those guys, man. I like some of those interior guys were impressive to me. Like they and they got good size, good good width on those guys. I like them. I don't know how how old's the uh, tight end, number forty, forty four. 
44 Warren is, I believe, a junior. Um, he was a part of the senior day group, which was, you know, it's so tricky now, Lydell, with the, the COVID year that gets tacked on. And we're, we're pretty close to being past that in terms of the big question mark of how much eligibility these guys have left. But Tyler Warren and Theo Johnson, I believe, I believe, have decisions to make in terms of whether they're coming back or whether they're going. Yeah, I like those guys. I mean, regardless, I think they're – I mean, if they if they do go, that's obvious that they can play. They, they feel like they can play in the league and their talent can do it. But I like those dudes, man. I mean, I, I, I really like 24. A lot of scouts yeah, talk about really him like when I go to the games. On the weekend, uh, 44, like he's a guy that they are, they're high on and possibly coming out. So that's a good eval here. But Theo's, yeah, Theo's good, too. I mean, I think just from this season, uh, from when we talked about the inconsistencies of bringing the tight ends into the game plan, we didn't even show, like, their real true ability. But I think 44, like you said, Tyler Warren is one that kind of jumps out as that overall old-school tight end that could move, block, could be that old-school wide, you know, do some things, especially when it comes to the NFL value. Yeah, man. He's got he's got a target. He's got a good target. I don't, th- I don't think I, he dropped many passes this year that was even in his vicinity. I mean, he's a he's a dude. I like him. Good for him. Lydell, the the back end of this season, one of the biggest things, obviously, right after the loss to Michigan, offensive coordinator Mike Yursich is released. At the time that we're recording this, a new offensive coordinator has not been announced. But with the transfer portal opening up on December fourth, one would think that to do that as quickly as humanly possible would be good. So that way, you can start having these conversations with kids that might be transferring to Penn State. Uh, were you surprised by Yursich's firing? Uh, and what do you think Penn State needs to do now in terms of that next hire? I, I, I mean, I don't think I was surprised. I, I wouldn't say based off just the way the team was playing, but just whether or not the guy fits the the, the culture of what he wants the team to be. Right. And I, I wouldn't say personality wise, but just the way his, you know, his coaching philosophy, all those things, whether or not that fit. I don't know if there was – it's hard to evaluate over COVID, right? And so, I, I what is he – he's a COVID coach, if I'm correct. Like, it, I mean, was he three years in? Is he a COVID coach? I believe I believe he was after – well, yeah, tell the, the technically the tail end, so the 2021, 22, and 23 season, I believe. Yeah, yeah, so it's real hard to get a good feel for, for, for a guy or a girl that's in the building, right? And so, like, whenever you have those things, they, I, I feel like it was due time where they felt like he really didn't fit the culture. And like you said, it's December 4th. So you got to make decisions a lot earlier, unfortunately, which coincides with the actual season, which you also got to talk about, you know, student athlete mental health from that standpoint where they're coaching, they're, they're firing coaches three or four weeks before just because they have to with the timeline. But I wasn't surprised. Uh, I mean, I'm not too sure where he was, where his basis is from recruiting standpoint or any of those things, but I do know he came from Texas. Um, so, you know, whether or not he fit the culture of a central Pennsylvania Penn State championship team, I'm not, I, I don't know if that, I mean, it's obvious that it, the, the two things didn't well, align. Lydell, with the transfer portal opening, there are certainly Penn State fans who are hoping to see Penn State go and hit up the portal. Now, James Franklin has made it pretty clear over the last few years and that they're going to be selective when they go to the portal, that they get, you know, a Penn State guy, someone who fits the culture, fits the scheme, all those things. So it is not the same approach as a Texas A&M, an Oregon, the list goes on and on of schools that have been very, very heavily involved in the transfer portal. But if you had the opportunity to, to look at the transfer portal on behalf of Penn State, what positions do you think? they really might need to go get somebody in the portal or can they just sit back and rely on their recruiting? Um, we got to look at the, 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 what the data says about the impact of transfers and how impactful they are. Right. And like what percentage of the transfers are actually impactful. Right. And what's their level of impact. Right. So if you're talking about two or three guys that have actually transferred and have significant impact, that, you know, those are two or three guys that probably everybody's going after. And if you're not going after it, you're probably silly. Right. So I think there are some guys that's in the transfer reporter that you better make sure your name's in the hat for just because they have a chance to make. But the majority of them are getting out of situations. 
right? Whether it is a coaching situation, whether it is a playing time, whether or not when I say playing time, it's, hey, am I playing inside nickel when we go? Am I playing inside corner when we go nickel or is it, are they letting me stay on the outside? Right. Whenever we go empty, am I still, you know, in that zone? So it does the offensive coordinator's philosophy actually fit? So there's some guys out there that are available, um, but I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't trust the impact of transfers. I, I think it's more, it's more based on the ability to develop. Now, you know, you see guys like Washington quarterback, I think is a different position because there's some dudes that just, They'll show up, and they it might be a coordinator issue, right? And those guys can really take over a college. I mean, those guys can take over any level of football. If you got a good quarterback, those guys can take over. So I think you always got to gamble with quarterbacks if you're in, in if you're in college football. I think if you're in football, the NFL does it as well, right? Like there are some guys that they recycle just because you may get a one or two good years out of the guys. You know what I mean? So I think it's healthy to get in the quarterback market, but um, I don't know this, the, the, how many transfer wide receivers have been impactful this past year. Yeah, I think Keon Coleman's the one that jumps to mind, and that's the one that jumps to mind. He's the one, and I want to say there's a West Coast cat, but I can't pull him out and pull him out of the top of my head. But then, and also interesting that you say that like the immediate impact of a transfer, I think, has been low, but. When did Chop transfer? Because he transferred early from Maryland to Penn State. Yeah, like he played the entire 2022 season, but he transferred sometimes during the during the offseason. So I bet I actually completely agree with Lydell said because you look at the recent transfers, Justin, that Penn State has landed. The yeah. ones that have the ones that have worked, and and I'm not I'm saying, saying Chop's one, the only one that like the one that Chop, only comes. Chop to- is the best example, and then I'd go Arnold Ebiketti. I'll give him his flowers. Obviously, he transitioned. So that's two defensive ends. And I think Mitchell Tinsley was a positive. Was he a superstar? Was he an All-American? No, but he was certainly a positive addition. And then outside of that. So to answer your question, like to answer Lydell's question, like if you're going to invest, like go quarterback, go defensive line. <laughs> if, you're going to, if you're going to go after him, you got a first rounder and another first rounder. Like that's, Jordan that's Addison. Working. <laughs> it's rare that a Jordan Addison's out there. That's I mean, it's rare. And even then. The you you can say his yeah, – you can – exactly. What is a Polonikov transferring? Like, what is what is Pitt thinking by letting him even think about leaving? They should have threw every thing, single thing at him. But to that end, those guys those guys aren't transferring, man. It just doesn't make sense. It just really doesn't make sense because you could go into a spring and it just be – it's just a bad locker room. And like you said, typically a Belenikoff winner is leaving and going to the NFL, not necessarily yeah. across the country. And you could say, in a way, it kind of wasted a year, 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 some money for him because he was an NFL player the year before. So now he's got to wait another year to get his re up. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he still went first. He went first round, but you're right. You're right. He didn't. You're right. Justin, in terms of the guys that Penn State has landed in the transfer portal, I think it's fair to say that Dante Cephas's year was disappointing. I think it's fair to say that Hunter Norzad was up and down. I think he was a good center. Was he a great or elite center? Uh, don't know about that. But certainly, you know, James Franklin had said at points this season that he could be one of the best centers in America. So, hell, he could go to the National Football League and completely change that opinion. But he was he was up and down. And, you know, it's 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 really tough to look at some of these guys that have transferred in, and we still don't know really uh, the de- defensive tackle Alonzo Ford from Old Dominion. I don't even know if he saw the field this year. Audavian Collins got in there sparingly, uh, just in, in mop up duty. So it's like, all right, you know, it's not saying that the transfer portal isn't the way to go because there's clear representation of people who have uh, done well. But are Penn State fans going to be disappointed if that by December 4th to January 4th, Penn State doesn't grab anybody or doesn't grab enough people or doesn't grab a wide receiver or a D tackle like our two positions of need. I think we're getting into something, man. We still keep looking at that interior line, what interior lineman. If you want to go interior lineman, they probably need to come from uh, equal level school that's going like that and not necessarily like ODU transfer up. And when we talk about the DNs that actually did well, we got a Maryland and Arnold came from Duke. Correct. Arnold came from Temple, and Temple. I think he was Temple. prior. Was he prior to NIL being permissible? Was, I think he was prior to NIL. 
Yeah, he was a little and then private. they got Derek Tangelo from Duke. That's who I was thinking of. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. But, I mean, from that standpoint, like those edge rushers and trying to see who could come in, because I think you start getting into, like what Liddell's saying is, like who's actually going to move the needle to get you victories, right? Like who's, like what player has some win share capabilities? And I mean, it's the same conversation that we have in the NFL about the value of running backs. Like, do you go to the portal, get a running back if they're not going to do so much and all the things have to connect and the same thing with receivers. Like you have to have some level of connection with your quarterback and playing. Cause we talk about Cephas. He came, I think he came in the summer. Like he had just the summer to get. Yeah. He get had to, he was done at Kent state by May. So he was late getting on campus. So, I mean, that's, that's tough. Like, I, I mean, so I think it comes down to like target. I, I mean, identifying your targets and going into the portal with a plan to fill up your band-aids, but also get the players that contribute to that win share of just historically in football. And as we keep speaking throughout this conversation, see a chop, we see an Arnold's like, all right, and everyone else is kind of missing, 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 like reevaluate. Why do we bring those players in or who, like what's actually being evaluated when we're going into the transfer portal? We had another corner that came in to lock down you. Um, what was his name again? Cause he came in for like three months and left. Oh, a storm duck. Yeah, I forgot storm about duck. storm duck. UNC and State Louisville. Yeah. Storm duck came in for three months. He was like, I'm out. So like, I don't even know if that's a failure or a win on his part, but he's like, hey, I guess I'm the, the, the college locker room is a cold space, man. Woo. Because because they're young kids, right? So like like you have a bad practice and you go back like, to the locker room. Where's he from? Like, hold you're up. a new guy. You're going to get eaten up if you got a good locker room because those dudes, if you got real competitors, real lions in there, and you get a bad practice, you're going to get eaten up, right? And if you don't have any people around you that have known you since you were a freshman and know your parents, you got no backup. And so those things are really, it's really hard to build any type of camaraderie, especially if you're talking about you just straight competing. And then you're going to come in, take the money and think you're going to come in and win right away, like, that's, like, it's, it's, like, almost the worst scenario ever for a kid to go in. Like, you're going to be – your head's on the block in practice. Every game, every practice, your head's on the block. That's a tough spot. Lydell, you were talking about, in regard to the transfer portal, it's kids getting out of a, quote, bad situation, whether that's, you know, the, the coaches, where they're on the depth chart, playing time, just something they perceive in their own mind. So it's the, it's their perspective entirely. So who who are we to judge? At the same time, the thought that jumps to mind for me is how challenging do you think it is, or do you think it's even really that possible, the percentage point, of kids that look at their situation and say, I need to be at a lower level of competition than I am now? Nobody's going to say that. I, I don't know anybody that unless it's academic for academic reasons. I say it because who who exactly is telling them that they're not good? I look at, so I'll, I'll throw out an example, Minnesota quarterback, Ethan Kaliak Manis, uh, I believe has put his name into the transfer portal. He did not have a good year this year at Minnesota. He was, I believe a four-star four-star recruit. He followed Tanner Morgan. So everybody thought he was going to be kind of what Penn State fans thought Drew Aller was going to be following Sean Clifford. Now he's in the portal after one full year as a starter. He's not going to Alabama. He's going down. If anything. Yeah, the problem is his hometown's telling him he can go to Alabama. Right? Like, I mean, you, you travel with Justin around Pittsburgh he can't even go to a regular restaurant. I mean, because you're legends where you're from, right? I haven't so had the pleasure kid, yet. We need to do that. This 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 kid's a, this kid's a four, he's a four star. He's a four star where he's from. He might have won a state championship. He could be. They might have a statue up of this kid in this high school. Who who in his here that he's known since he was six years old and telling him he's not a great football player? I will say. This is where it gets a little tricky and dicey in it because you wouldn't think a player would say it, but coaches at the end of the year meetings are saying, you're not good enough to play here. And if you want to continue to try to play football somewhere, you need to jump in that portal and go down. I'm dealing with it a little bit now from just some transfer portal advising and just players that are like, I just want to play. I can't, I can't play here. Right. And that's the other part of the portal, right? Whereas it's like guys are trying to get away from a situation. Like you said, like 
not yeah. always like <laughs> but the situation always. the situation they land in is different than is the it, situation they think they are right and to tom's point is that the majority of these guys if the coach is telling you you're not good you need to go ahead you know no disrespect you need to go to, go ahead to ohio you know what I mean? You need to go ahead to, you, you know, not you, you, go, yeah. you go, no, Ohio, you Bobcats, right? You go to, you know, Toledo and you could still go to the league from those places. So it's actually no disrespect to those, those programs. But if you, but I, I don't think it's that way because they still believe they, those, uh, those offers they had, if they had a Maryland offer or if they had a Purdue offer or if they had an Indiana offer, which are less than Penn state, they think those offers are still available and those offers aren't. That's funny you say that because, like, Elijah had a moment again, shout out to Blue Trip Academy, where he was on Elijah Robinson, former interim head coach down at uh, Texas A&M, had a segment where he was saying you have to find a school where you can have the ability to develop. Like, so if you're an undersized defensive lineman, do not try to go to Texas A&M because, like, you, will, you won't even get a chance to develop because you're going to be beat up by the time that you even get there or even finding – that lane of development where you can perform. Because to be honest, at Penn State, those coaches don't have two to three years to develop players. Like we need we need instant impact right now. And just, I mean, the timing at a school like that just doesn't take development. And so you see players that might go to a, um, don't take any heat, but like a Pitt or a West Virginia or a smaller school. And you see guys that are able to develop and then people will look back at their high school Stuff and like, oh, he was a two star. All these big schools missed out on him. Like, no, just because they end up developing into NFL players doesn't mean that they could stunt their growth if they went too far up. Like to the point that a lot of was saying, like you can transfer down and still get an opportunity. Zach McPherson is a he was a corner as uh, lockdown. U was starting to develop. He couldn't really see the field. He was a great player, Riverdale Baptist um, in Maryland. Transferred to Texas Tech. Gets drafted by the Eagles. Got a Super Bowl ring. But he could not play in front of he got out he got out recruited, but he made it to the NFL. So it's like those those the, that avenue of development is so important and being critical and honest about yourself of where you are is critically important, right? Like to set yourself up for success. Hundred percent. Lydell, how do you feel about the job that James Franklin has done and is doing as a head coach of Penn State? I think, uh, I think, I think it just depends on what exactly. I wouldn't say what your expectations are, or what you hope for, right? Now, I'll use an example. When we went to the Orange Bowl, our our freshman year, and we won the Orange Bowl, we were still disappointed when we were watching Texas and USC play, right? Because it was like, yo, we were the number three team in the country, but we weren't in the championship. Like everybody watched our game, but the whole world watched this game, right? And it's just something different about that national championship, right? And so I think that that's just a championship expectation. That's just a championship mentality. So anytime you go into a season and you don't actually make the championship, I think that that should be a disappointment from a championship level, right? From that end, we had a fantastic time at the Orange Bowl. We had a fantastic time at the Rose Bowl. We get celebrated for having those. So you're celebrated, but I still remember not going to the national championship. You feel what I'm saying? So if you look at it from a national championship perspective or college football championship perspective or the playoffs, obviously we didn't make it. So like from that standpoint, that's disappointing. From the standpoint that we're going to go be playing in somewhere nice that's hot in, in, in January, and this team will likely be celebrated because they, they'll win the 11 games as they should, right? Like, we got celebrated for winning the Orange Bowl, but we didn't win the national championship. And whenever they talk about that 86 team, whenever they talk about that the, the 90 team, they don't talk about our team because we weren't in the ship. So, like, there's just a difference between the ship and, there's, and all the other stuff, even if it's throwing roses and eating oranges, you know what I mean? That's a very like interesting point because when people bring up the 05 season, my first inclination is not the Orange Bowl. It's getting beat against Michigan and not being the game we lost. Like that is when people bring up the 05 season, that is the first thing that comes to me is like getting beat in Michigan. And if I would have let Steve Breston catch the ball, shout out to Steve, catch the ball and just tackle them, the time would have ran out. We'd have won. Like, that, that haunts me. 
Like it was like one second. You looked up, and it's like, how is there one second left? You yeah, know what I mean, black yeah. coverage. It's real like PTSD. Yeah, real like PTSD. I can remember how every single like, person, where they were at on the field, the second I hesitated, the, these little things, man. And that's just like just disappointed. Like, yo, we were number three in the team nation. We we're number two in the nation and lost to Iowa. Like for the rest of the season, I'm not even happy. Like we're at the Rose Bowl, I'm not happy. I'm like, yo, this is this is BS, bro. Like we lost <laughs> to Iowa, and that's why I'm not celebrated. Like I don't, I don't know. I, that's just so from a championship mentality. That's how it should be every year if you don't make the championship. If you're chasing excellence, you're chasing greatness. You know what I mean? That's so that's a great point. That's a good I mean, point, especially cool. those like after the freshman year, the 05 season, 06, 07, we had, I mean, had some losses, and I think our teams used to take that approach like we came in 05 was like man we lost one game as soon as you start losing it was almost like the season's over maybe sometimes we lost some games we weren't supposed to but it was that type of mentality of like yo if we're not playing or getting a chance to go to the championship because we didn't have a playoff we didn't have a top four it's like you had to get in that top two and then once back yeah. then you lose mm-hmm. lose you're done like it's done. A, season's you're over you're playing for, you're playing for a good bowl trip yeah exactly it's uh, city yeah, I mean, I honestly, that's why to me, I, that's probably why the bowl games were so fun because we treated more like fun because we weren't in the national championship. So it was more like, yeah, we're somewhere hot. Let's have a good time because, like, yeah, we're not in the ship, bro. Like, if you're not in the ship, <laughs> what are you playing and, for? And Joe treated those trips like that because, like, those those practices were harder than anything we went through the whole season, like those yeah, bowl practices. Okay. No question. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, you didn't go to the shit. Like, what are you doing? It's so disappointing. So it, it's, 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 it's sour, man. It's getting the number two trophy, second place trophy, man. Like, it's like you got a trophy, but like, who cares? I think you're pointing or bring it into like a good point, man. Not to just berate this, beat this down, because like, it's been a, like a, a fraction in the Penn State fan fanfare, the fans, um, and just like, oh, is it a disappointing season? Is it a great season? And there's like, well, we won 11 and two. Well, we, this has never happened, whatever, whatever the records are, but never really hearing anything from the players. Because like, when I think about it, it's like, yeah, we didn't win a championship. So we had good teams and things of that nature, but like, we think about the times where we lost. And I wonder if the players, if they feel like the season was a, a letdown or are they happy about going to a good bowl game at the end of the year? Because their targets are different. Like they were trying to get into that top four seat versus the championship game. It's just interesting because I never really thought about it from our perspective on the teams and times that we did lose. And like, because we weren't just, yeah, well, we won 11 games. We, we, we did kind of like, man, how we lose them, Troy? Man, yeah. like we, we would talk about the loss over. Yeah, I'm, over. I'm upset in the hotel, in the bowl game for the hotel, <laughs> the whole week, they're talking about the national championship. So like, it's like, if you're a real dude, and you're not disappointed. Like if the players were like, "Yeah, I'm happy," it'd be like, "Yeah, I understand. You're gonna get a bowl check, and you're happy about that." But if you're like, "Yo, if you're a real dude, and you're like, yo, we're like whoever's in the national championships and the net Michigan's in the in the college football playoffs, and you're happy about that, bro? Like that that would make me so upset. That would just they didn't make have me bowl so checks upset. though. They don't get bowl checks like we get bowl checks. That's that's a different. Yeah, so that's I would just be done. <laughs> Like these kids now, I'd be like, I'm not playing. <laughs> these big time guys, because like, man, I'm not in the championship. I'd be disappointed. So it's greatness. It's chasing greatness. But with Joe, he's touched that. So we were, ch- I mean, that's what we were chasing. We were really chasing greatness. Like people, things that people talk about for the rest of your life when you're dead. Say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered right to your door. Justin, here in Philadelphia, the lines were crazy in the lead up to Thanksgiving at the the grocery store. And I am very, very thankful to have this entire circumstance we do with HelloFresh. They've been great partners and to have healthy, inexpensive, and awesome meals shipped right to my door. It takes all the hassle out of the holidays. The one thing I cannot stand is going to the grocery store or here in Pittsburgh, going to the strip district around Thanksgiving. You have to fight for turkeys. You have to fight for stuffing. You have to fight for all your food that you want to prepare. So having this partnership with HelloFresh and having your ingredients and food delivered to your doorstep on a holiday season gives you more time to, uh, gives you more time to cherish your moments with your family and enjoy the holiday weekend. 
there's no need to fight. There really is no need to fight. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week, so it's easier than ever to find something everyone will enjoy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LionFree and use code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash LionFree with code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. I want to believe as a fan and as a broadcaster that that's what James Franklin is striving for. I think it'd be ludicrous to ask that question and be like, yeah, of course I want to win the national championship. Of course that's <laughs> what everybody is striving for, so that makes sense to me. But I, I think about this time period that we're in right now. As I mentioned, the regular season just ended. The conference title games are ahead. Transfer portal, new offensive coordinator, bowl game like the – 11 and 2 isn't even a given. We have no idea who that draw is going to be, and that could be a, a real challenge. Lydell, this is an interesting period because I mentioned there's players who have eligibility to make a decision about whether or not they're going to declare for the NFL draft, whether they're going to stay at Penn State, or if they're going to go into the transfer portal and maybe pursue NIL funds. And to me, it feels like specifically to the Penn State fan base, the concept of transferring out of Penn State, pursuing NIL funds, and sitting out a bowl game are all three cardinal sins. Do you think that should be permitted at this point in time? Or not permitted, but do you think Penn State fans should still feel that way? Something that is an old way of feeling that predates the NIL era? Um. <clears throat> I think it's I think it's it's natural to be disappointed if somebody leaves and you like the player, right? But I also think that from the player's perspective, you got to do what you think is best for you, right? And especially if the program is not fighting for you to stay or convincing you to stay, but I I think that the fans are right in that it's not it's not going to be easy for any kid to transfer. Right. And there is some type of academic credit transfer. There is some type of, you know, career ambition. You know, those are those connections. There are, you know, some aspects of transferring when you talk about them actually being actual college students that, that is not actually beneficial to them. Right. Um, unless the particular institution they're going to has a special program that their institution doesn't have. Um, it's very rare you're going to see a guy go to um, uh, um, a situation that is uh, um, they care more about him than when they they've known him since they were 17. And so I think the the fan is correct, but I do think that uh, yeah they should feel that way actually. Like if anybody wants to leave Penn State, it's the dumbest uh, is the, the dumbest decision they uh, as a fan you should feel that way. Now, from the player, they may not feel that way. But from a fan, it's like, yeah, we, we got a chance to win national championship. We're going to get the ship right. Ship with a P. Uh, it's, it's just uh, I'm not on the podcast. Uh, we're going to get it right. And, you know, if you leave, you're going to miss the train, right? I mean, if, you, if your fans aren't saying that, they're not real fans. They don't actually believe it, you know? I, so passionate, I agree with that. A, a passionate fan base is an engaged fan base, and this is football entertainment. Tom, you know that wrestling. No, I completely. Yeah. And, and that brings me to a point here with Justin: is that like there, there's so many different ways that this time of year could go. So, like, I think back, people are still Penn State fans are still mad at Micah Parsons for sitting out due to COVID, and look at how good his NFL career has turned out. Now, there's examples like Silas Red, who is still persona non grata among Penn State fans, perhaps the biggest traitor in the history of the program by the opinion of Penn State fans. He obviously chose to do what he thought was best for himself. Our opinion could be what it is for the rest of the time. And then I look at, for instance, this bowl game. If I'm Olu Fashionu, does it matter what the bowl game is or who the opponent is? Because he could be the number one tackle taken in a handful of months. Does he even bother to play? And then it's like, that that, that could be the right decision for Olu. It's not. It, it could be. It is. 
Like if anybody's actually telling him to play, mm-hmm. you I I wouldn't I wouldn't trust any type of decision they're telling you for the rest of your life. Like <laughs> when you see what the Michigan kid, the Zach, the Zach M- Minter, the the, the oh guy. yeah, that 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 was like, come on, man. Like these, I'm, what that kid's got. I think I think about Jake Butt from years ago, the tight end from Michigan, who like he decided to come back for uh, his senior year or something like that, and he had a yeah. horrific knee injury and went in the second yeah. round. He was out of the league shortly thereafter. One hundred percent injury rate in football, so you're always playing Russian roulette. That 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 definitely comes with it. So when it comes to the situation where you have the leverage and you have an opportunity to make life changing money, it is no longer a decision about anything but business, especially for a bowl game. Like, come on. Like, and, they, and again, it goes <laughs> to the champs. Like, you're not in the national championship. Like, a bowl game, like, this, it's like literally for fun. Like, I mean, it's. I think Saquon's like the last superstar we're going to see in a non championship bowl game. Because, like, Saquon played in that. Yeah. Play, he played and he, like, got off too. And mm-hmm. that was like, and that's what made the Giants jump up and kind of. You don't talk about no personnel decision, but take him number two, right? Because like, it was like that emotional attachment of like, whoa, he played. And yeah. that was different. But that's not industry standard. And I wouldn't well, suggest is, it. It goes into this too, Justin. You bring up a good point. If you're playing the <clears throat> national championship game and you have a game, you're getting drafted. The entire world is watching that. Like you'll just get drafted just because they're going to say this guy is a great corner and it could just be your best game you've ever had and all the other games stink but guess what you're on the stage and so like those things do help but for a guy like him nah even with Saquon it's relative bro I wouldn't have took that chance but to that end you can you can win in Vegas that's what I'm saying it's 100% injury rate just a matter of what is going to happen like it's that's why I don't it's Mm -hmm. left early we're talking about people leaving early I got booed or whatever when I left early First camp, my whole toe. I always thought, like, man, if I would have come back to school, would I bust up my toe in camp and never went to the league? Like, I, I think about that all the time because it's, I mean, the timeline is the timeline. The 100% is the 100%. It's going to hit regardless. When you got to the league, your fresh, your rookie year in the NFL, what happened? In a lot of ACL. I mean, oh, your yeah, ACL. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, like, the injury oh, is the injury depending on, I mean, Sean Lee Paul. I mean, and it's just like, well, yeah, try to get to the money as fast as possible because then other time you're going to be exploited by the game. So make sure you take care of your business. How many rookies don't actually get hurt? Right? You start talking about combine training. You start talking about rookie OTAs. They don't go to the OTAs about- anymore. So that's even more injuries. Now you talk about like the injury reports or like the health and safety because like the CBA has changed since when we came into the NFL. Where like now like, they're only it. they're only there for three months yeah. before the year starts. No chance. Three months, I'm sorry. And then you go three weeks to to running with the the, the, the mutants. Right. Like, you go three weeks of, like, literally your mutants. Right. Miles Garrett's over there. Good luck against what? <laughs> Like, are you kidding? Like, I mean, pure specimens, the best people in the world, the best 1,500 people in the world that do this thing. You do that for three weeks, twice a day, and this is your first time doing it, and then you got four months of season? <laughs> that's a gnarly that's a gnarly thing man so mm-hmm. that kid better go ahead take his break off and you know get his degree man he's a he's a top-notch dude he's a, he's a, he him john urschel like those dudes man those are the dudes we need to be talking about mm-hmm. those are those are top-notch dudes because they went they played in the league they balled in the league and they're they're they're, they're real cats man so when you think about that i like said december 4th we talk about the transfer portal and how the engine behind the transfer portal, a lot of things going on is NIL and money, right? So Liddell, if anybody doesn't know, I mean, has a background in fundraising, probably brought in over a billion dollars in fundraising into uh, universities, right? So like this is a new area in college sports where money's flowing and now it's getting dispersed from the same institutional donors or supporters of the program into the players' hands. With everything moving up and how that's all shaking from your background in fundraising, I mean, what are some gaps or some areas where you think can be sharpened up in Penn State's, I guess, NIL support, messaging, and how they bring money in, and just the different aspects of people supporting the university since you're on the front line of the major donors that give money to Penn State University? (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, 
I think a big part of it is that the legal aspects of the way that law is situated in NIL, there's only but so much engagement the university can have, can, can have, right? And so I think that automatically creates some type of dysfunction or you know, a gap in communication from whether it be the department, whether it is the program, to the collective, to the fans, right? You're adding an intermediary in between that um, to pay the players for something that uh, they, in my opinion, they should just get be paid off revenue, right? And so they're making it a very, very difficult environment. It's hard to have a strategy, but you have to have a strategy, but it's an ever-changing landscape. When you talk about NIL, the legal aspects of NIL, how much involvement you can have in NIL. And then there's a reality that there just may not be that many people that want to give to NIL. Like, I, I, I think there's also, you know, you hear a lot from these schools, the Ohio States, the Alabamas of what they talked about a year ago, but it would be nice to know if they actually hit those numbers, right? I mean, because 15 million, I think that's what they were talking about even at Ohio State was the $15 million number. That's a, it's, uh, in the land of uh, fundraising, it's not a large number. Right. And I just say, I, I, if you put it in comparison that they raised 70 million that fired Jumbo Fisher in a week, right, 15 million is relative. Right. And so um, whether or not they hit that 15 million will tell you whether or not there's actually people who want to support name, image, likeness. And I don't know if there, there no one's necessarily there's not enough research on that to see if there's an actual audience for that demographic. That's a great point when it's like identifying that customer base and what gets them to support the program, right? Whether it's a transform transformative type of approach or like programs, or is it like just giving money and understanding that unique ecosystem that you're trying to get fanfare or get supporters in? So we talked about the institutional donors or the people that give money in NIL. Let's talk now. Let's go into the player's perspective. You have also great perspective on that as well. We were coming up in a time where it was message board season, right? Everybody now that Twitter is there, it's like the message boards is right in your pocket, but yeah, not search, but being online, it was, it was smart to stay away from the message boards because you could see all the things that people are saying about you, whether it's valid or not valid. A lot of times emotional fans, right? But now with NIL, players, in order to get money for people to understand their name, image, and likeness or get support from fans, they have to engage with supporters. They have to engage online. What do you think that social impact is or that give and take between the player and supporter in like that Penn State ecosystem? How do you see that or like necessary steps for players to operate in a safe space, even though like they have to do it now? Well, there is no safe space online. That's for sure, right? And I think um, this is the first time where athletes are being forced to be active online, right? Particularly to generate revenue, right? So if you think of an NFL player, they may have a sponsorship agreement. They're not forced necessarily to do that to get revenue because they're getting revenue from playing. Right. So it's a choice whether or not they want to do that to actually generate some type of revenue where these college players, if they want to generate any type of revenue or if they want to figure out some money to, to pay for their mom's rent or to perhaps put into a, a 529 you know, or a 401k or an IRA or something like that. If they want to do that, the only way for them to do that is to engage with the fan. And it may be an individual engagement. Right. So there's a, a bunch of dynamics when you talk about a, a, a student athlete engaging directly with an individual that will give that particular student athlete an IL deal. Right. So what type of pressures does that come with? It's not like legal or any type of betting things. Right. But what type of pressures do that night? Does that 19 year old feel when that particular person may be on the sideline? Right. And then, you know, hey, if I get this pick now, it's from 50 to 100. Now it's from 100 to 250. Right. So every single play is more money for you. Right. I think that that's it's, it's not it's never been done. Like I don't know. It's that, that's not how it operates on the, on the NFL besides incentives on contracts. 
but it's always in addition to what is your base salary. And so I think these guys having to engage online is very, very dangerous. Uh, one, because people aren't real online, right? They're, they, they're, they, they're, they're a profile that they create. They may, it may be their own name, but there's still somebody online that may not be the same person that's in real life. And so uh, you say things, it's entertainment, fans are passionate. Um, you know, they may say, hey, this guy is not good. He needs to, he needs to transfer. And that could really do damage to your mental health, right? Uh, and if you see that over and over and over again, uh, they, these, I, there's, there's no studies on it yet. And that's, the, the, you know, that's scary. No, you're right. Because like fan engagement is it's necessary and it's nuanced. Right. Because like there's a skill in dealing with fans. I mean, whether I mean Tom Braxton's time at WWE or at the XFL, and like there's an art in dealing with fans. Cause I remember coming up as a player, I mean, we spoke before about it, where it's like, yo, the first type of feedback that you typically get as a player is negative. And then when that happens, it's like, yo, block that off. I'm not trying to hear it. I'm not really trying to engage. And then there's a level of what are they saying? Like, are you insecure about what they're saying? Is it something like that really is you're putting your work in front of them? Is it just normal fanfare or like, like what exactly is it? So like, there's so many different dynamics when it comes to that. Cause now you're not necessarily even saying, Hey, just build your network and deal with fans from a healthy way. You're like, you're kind of telling them to entertain fans online right like be an influencer or do this or do these different type of things and there's just so many different opportunities with nil to i mean set yourself up for career development so my question to you is like your former player when you were at penn state understanding the ecosystem now understanding the institutional donor understanding the time as a player working in uh the football ops department with frank ganner back in the day how would you have capitalized on nil if you were in school I would try to get connected with people who are great at their profession and it wouldn't be to actually generate money. And I think mainly because um, we didn't necessarily have that mentality because the mentality was we'll make money if we play really well. Right. And so to me, I see it as an opportunity for you to potentially be able to sit down, get on the zoom with the CEO of Twitter. Right. And those opportunities didn't exist for us. Right. They weren't like, hey, and, and, and like, hey, these kids are exploring how to really take advantage of this platform that they have. And so from that standpoint, these kids have a chance to be talking to these Wall Street kid guys. They have a chance to be talking to some of these you know, women who are doing fantastic alumni who are doing fantastic thing in industry. And I wouldn't be asking them for anything except for some time. No, that's a perfect, I mean, that's like, that's a perfect example. Cause like when you think of NIL, I mean, just a shout out to I me, mean, check out winning moves or blue chip Academy. When we think about that, it's like you sports as a catalyst to a career that you can bank on. And NIL presents that opportunity to actually use the sport and get those tactical steps from people that have come before you that are now within your scope. Right. When you say, I mean, your name, image, and likeness, the, the thing that really identified with me is like, well, when my name, image, and likeness, well, I had to build back up when I transitioned out of the game. If I could have mended that gap a lot sooner where people understood what my name, image, and likeness, what I was about, what interests I had, how I interacted with executives while I was still playing. I mean, you mentioned it on the Blue Chip Academy podcast of the willingness of administrators to answer your phone call while you're still an active player, while you're still going about your dream and not having and having enough confidence to approach these people and enough humility to know that you don't have all the answers of what you're going through. So I think that's like a great answer. I mean, just I'm like, they'll actually operate like that when we were in school. Like he introduced Barack Obama to the, the student uh, body when he was running in 08 and taking advantage of those different opportunities. So let's get a little deeper in that. I mean, you know, you wouldn't be looking for money. How would you be trying to make some cheese though? If you were in school, what would you have done? <laughs> I would just play. <laughs> I mean, it's just straight up, right? Like, I mean, I mean, you think about after the Orange Bowl year, right? You would be selective on what deals you wanted. So everything else that I wanted to do would be based off me wanting to go out and do it, 
right? And then everything else would be based off need. Do I want five grand? Do I want 10 grand? Can I help mom during Christmas? Something I've never done my entire life, right? Like that would be based off need. So then I'd be like, okay, yeah. I'd be hitting up the waffle shop. Like, let's do a baking. I'd be doing everything. <laughs> if you're talking about money, I'm selling myself. If yeah, that's what, I, that's what I mean. How would you have sold yourself at Penn State? I guess what I was entity, more so no asking. Question. No question. What, what is it? As an, as an entity. If you understand yeah. yourself as an entity, yeah. But I would be very careful because I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see myself as an entity only but 10% of the time because that's a dangerous space mentally. Right. And so that's what I'm saying. It would be based on need, not based off me being able to take advantage of the system. Lydell, uh, we can't thank you enough for coming on here. You're the number one fan of State of State, as far as we know. Um, and it's going to be, you know, the, the next couple of weeks, months, you know, we're going to see how all this stuff plays out, what the bowl game winds up being for Penn State. And you framed the 2023 season as a, quote, good season. Uh, what do you need to see out of Penn State in 2024? Um, what do you need to see? I need to see more Berg boys out there. <laughs> I need to see more dudes. What about the Philly guys? Two. You guys got enough Berg boys hey, over there. Well, I, I, I went through it. I was talking to um, I was talking to somebody earlier today actually in the in the in the office. And I was like, name, like, think about all the great players that Penn State's ever had, right? You talking about the, you know, I mean, if we could talk recent, you can go even further back, but you're talking about the Franco Harris's, I mean, not Franco, I'm sorry, not Franco, Brandon Short, you're talking LeVar Arrington, you're talking offensive line, you're talking all the West Newskies, you're talking AQ Shipley, right? You're talking all the DBs, you're talking linebackers, Paul, you're talking Sean. These are just recent dudes. Right. Miles. Right. So, I mean, it, it's something about the toughness of where you're getting the kid from. Right. And the mentality of like dudes. I mean, Pittsburgh is a championship culture. Philly starting Philly's like that. So if you're getting a kid from Philly, he understands championships like Pittsburgh. They understand championships. Right. And so you understand what it takes in that that mentality. So they got to get mentality of guys that are they got to get just a championship mentality. And it's like you're just disappointed if you lose. You're disappointed if anybody thinks you're not good. Like that should be a disappointment. Lydell, thank you once again so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Everybody tuning in, enjoy the conference championship weekend, and we'll see what bowl game Penn State lands in here in the very near future. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.